بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب قال الله سبحانه وتعالى تبارك الذي ان شاء جعل لك خيرا من ذلك جنات تجري من تحت الانهار ويجعل لك قصورا صدق الله العظيم Beloved elders and brothers mothers and sisters dear listeners and dear students assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we ended last week with uh, the discussion on how deen today has become has been made to what used to be during the early eras of uh, uh, the early era of the of islam in which the disbelievers were uh, making uh, pomp and fame and name uh, a sign of truthfulness and veracity and if the prophet was simple and the prophet did not have uh, what they wanted in terms of materialistic things then they didn't seem to believe or they didn't think it was worthwhile their time to sit and listen to the message because he did not have material things so success was based on the abundance of material things and once again we have come back to that time where not just outsiders not people judging what's successful and not successful in the dunya but even with regards to akhira people want to judge uh, the uh, want to judge people of deen based on material success and uh, this is where they want to take knowledge from and otherwise they don't want to I remember <laughs> when I came back from overseas my one uncle you know subhanallah he met me remember this is a time when there were very few madrasas very few graduates very 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 few students from America having gone abroad to study uh, at least in the Darul Ulum very few and one uncle met me and he said you know, Imam uh, Hanifa rahmatullahi was a was a big businessman, and Uthman Ghani radiyallahu anhu was very wealthy. Imam Malik was very wealthy. So you need to also become a big, you know, you need to also become wealthy, and you need to also focus on being a successful businessman. And then another person, place where I was serving, the person, you know, he he told me, Subhanallah, after one day after the khutbah, he said, "You're such a talented person. We're so impressed by." everything you're doing here and your amazing skills etc but it's sad to see how your your strengths and your um, talents are all going to waste as the imam of our local masjid you know how nice it would have been how beneficial it would have been for the world and for yourself if you had gone into say medicine it would have been able to help society much more than um, you're helping now it was interesting because he didn't realize that he was insulting me so horribly right but uh, he thought he was praising me and it's, it's what we call uh, in, in, in Balagha where you're praising someone but it's actually in reality uh, or rather I should say you're, you are, you're both, both are used in Balagha where you praise someone but it sounds like you are um, you know, downgrading them or you downgrade someone but it comes across as though you're praising them so the idea was people, they want, they want to see material sex we have students who graduate from the Alam program seven, eight years, nine years of studying on top of the Hivla program when they go for proposals, marriage proposals they say, okay, give your bio data what are you studied, fulan, fulan after they say, whoa, you've been, you've, you did ten years of Islamic studies okay, interesting and then after they say, so what's your education? right, what's your education? meaning every, all of this is useless this is jahala, that is education so we live in that, let's be honest we live in a society that gives um, honor to, these, to anything besides the study of the deen generally speaking uh, whatever can bring in uh, money is called education. Whatever can bring in money is called education. Uh, no one's asking a college dropout who's running a successful startup, multi-million dollar startup, what's your education? No one's asking a high school dropout who is running his dad's business very successfully, what's your education? Uh, but subhanAllah, someone who spends a decade or more studying the deen and in order to become uh, excellent in your studies of the deen in this day and age, it's natural that on the, on the way you have to study many other things that you have to be well when you when you're when you're doing ifta uh, if you'll have questions from finance you'll have questions from um, and medicine you'll have questions about embryology you'll have questions about uh, immunology you'll have questions about everything in between astronomy uh, in order to give a proper fatwa you obviously have to go spend time studying that as well 
So you have to be a well-rounded, uh, educated individual. If you look at the books of tafsir uh, from, that were written even recently, even the ones who are the, the more recent ones, as well as the ones from the classical times, you'll see there's so much ulum. The Quran is connected to so many different sciences in their books, be it in Arabic, English, or Urdu, uh, that a person will see that these people are you know, polymaths. They were just outstanding, amazing individuals who had tabahur and who had ta'amuq and who had depth in ilm. But uh, do they actually officially carry a degree from a Western university uh, in one of those sciences? Many times, no. So this is, the key thing should be ilm. The key thing is, when you're speaking, speak with knowledge. If you don't have knowledge, definitely don't speak about it. That's there. Um, but we should not think that if a person does not have wealth, if a person doesn't have uh, a, you know, a, a, a degree from a Western institution, that he's got nothing to offer. Um, I remember when we were traveling, people would say, why are you going to study over to Africa, University of Chicago, and oh, not just the university, all the many universities here have great Islamic studies programs. Why don't you study in these universities? And I said, well, we are going to study not Islam as a subject uh, from amongst many subjects. We're going to study it as a wahi, as a revelation, as a God-sent revelation, a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to humanity. And you have to study that at, at, the, at the hands and the feet of people who actually believe in that as his revelation. Not that it's just an interesting book that you're going to study, but rather that it is uh, your, sal your salvation depends upon that. And this is why we would want to spend our years. This is not just out of curiosity we spent 10 years studying something. It's not curiosity. It is because this is our deen. This is our salvation lies in it. Our dunya, our akhirah, our success lies in that. And when a person studies the deen with that intention, then you will get the nur of that ilm. You'll get the barakah of that ilm. And if that's not the focus, and you're studying it just as a, a subject matter, then you will become very void of, of blessing. So we're speaking about how today... Yani we ended off last last uh, surah, uh, last uh, sorry, last verses uh, on, on this topic of um, how they wanted to see the Nabi who had to, that he should have a lot of wealth, a lot of material things. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Tabarak al-ladhi." You know what? Blessed is Allah. Tabarak. We talked about last week as well. The one who is kathura khayruhu, whose khair and his blessing is tremendous. He is filled with the blessing. Um, if he wanted, if he so willed. It could be done. You could have a lot of money. The Nabi could have a lot of wealth. The Nabi could have, you know, lived a materialistically successful life. I mean, you know, I was just thinking just today about what's happening in India, the oppression that's happening, and how certain groups that are causing that oppression upon Muslims are spreading across the globe taking a positions, politically position, strong political positions across the globe. Now we just, um, you know, just, just contemplate like what's going on. We're being surrounded. But then, you know, I told myself, wait, is this happening without the permission of Allah? Is this happening really without the knowledge of Allah that the Muslim is becoming more downtrodden, more mustadaf, being, more, being treated as a weakling everywhere, left and right? His, his blood means nothing. Like you can just cause, you can stir up a, a false narrative and a whole mob will, in broad daylight, lynch a Muslim today, right? Will, will slaughter a Muslim today. Al-Ayyadhu Billah. Allahu Akbar. An animal, if, if mistreated, should not be mistreated. But if an animal were to be mistreated, the world will come up, you know, will, will, rise, will raise up in arms. But if a Muslim, if that happens to a Muslim, unfortunately it's just, you know, uh, collateral damage. It's just like a fly, whatever. So Allah is watching all of this. Allah is aware, well aware of all of this that is happening. And we should never allow this, these horrible things that are happening around us ever dampen our spirits, dampen our morale, dampen our hope, dampen in our belief that deen, Islam, is the ultimate, only true Islam, only true deen. Whoever chooses a deen besides Islam, it will never be accepted from him. Never. Don't ever think, should I change my name? If I change my name, I'd probably be much more successful in Wall Street. If I change my name, I'd probably be much, much more successful in Silicon Valley. If I change my name, if I change my skin color or just my even name, now you don't have to even change your skin color, just the name itself, I could have gotten so many promotions. Shaitan will come and do this waswasa to us. 
this whisper. And we have to tell ourselves that Allah is watchful over everything that's happening. That this is the sunnah of Allah, that the people who are in the truth, they go through a lot of difficulty. Because if the Muslims were to be triumphant in every sense, if the Muslims were to be triumphant, materialistic, then what would happen? Everyone would say, let's just become a Muslim. Let's change our name to Ahmad. Let's change our name to Muhammad. And then you become successful. And look, you be, you, you'll become materialistically successful. Where would the test be? The test is now. That if people, those Muslim countries, those who, who choose to follow deen, they get boycotted. They get, you know, they, 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 get, they, they, get, um, they become scrutinized for things that they are not even doing. As long as you don't follow deen, you can have whatever you want in their country, no problem. As soon as you say, I want to follow the deen, then every single action of yours is taken out of context. This is the world we live in. Where you know and I, what, what, what we're speaking about. Yeah, what, what, what's, what's happening all around us so do not allow these thoughts beloved brothers and sisters to get to you and to say I need to give up a Muslim lifestyle because I need to blend in and I need to see that you know my children become successful uh, this is I hear this from my own ears people say you're talking about did you just hear this past I, I posted it someplace just this state this, this uh, California is the state of California is, is, is suing a school district did you hear about that today? Huh? School is suing a school district because they said any any child that wants to choose to change their gender, the parents are going to be what? Just simply informed. And so they're suing the school district to say no, you can't do that. That goes against the privacy of the child. Cannot inform the parents of the gender change. Right? You heard this happening, but now this is a big case because it, it's a lawsuit happening. Then the state of Maryland. Uh, they're passing a law that children going to public school cannot, cannot uh, request that their child be excluded from LGBTQ education. Again, in this United States of America, these things are happening. Now you tell someone, something I spoke about three, four weeks ago in the previous surah, one of those sessions, that hey, we need to create a homeschooling uh, platforms. We need to create homeschooling environments. We need to have Islamic schools. Immediately, the knee-jerk response after everything I say, after half an hour, is like, brother, what is going to happen to the future of our kids if we don't, if we, if we do homeschool? They will become what? They won't know how to. They don't know. They won't know how to mix in, in society. They won't become successful as doctors and engineers. They will materialistically fail if they do homeschooling. These are things happening when I do masjid programs. Half an hour I speak, and then I do Q and A, and this is the questions I'm getting. And I'm like, what world are you living in? What did you not hear? I just spoke right now. Really, is this how, how lost we are? That subhanAllah at all costs. If, even if that was the case, when you know that's not the case, that is not the case that if, you get your, if your child gets homeschooled, that he will become antisocial, or he will not know how to integrate into society, or he will not be able to get into a professional school, he will not be able to succeed. That is absolutely incorrect. But just say that was correct. Now you tell me, where's your iman? If Allah were to choose to test us like this, which may happen, that you have a choo you choose an education in which you are forced to accept this LGBTQ transgender agenda and, and uh, learn it, breathe it, smell it, think about it, dream about it, write about it, draw about it. Or you choose to stay away from that. Look what happened in France. It's discussion now, right? Schools outlawing what? Abayas. Right? All abayas. Any loose dress. Imagine, subhanAllah, you can wear as skimpy dressing as you want, 85% of your body can be exposed, no problem. But if you choose to wear a modest dressing, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, banned, cannot be, will not be allowed. This is the world, yes, this is 2023, this type of stuff is happening in the free world. So how can we fall for this? To think that this is reality, that this is about freedom. This is really a bugh, inad, hatred against the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, against haqq. Because the opposite is what? Follow the nafs. Anytime anyone sees order, they get scared. Because they don't want order. They want to be the God themselves. They want their, their nafs to be the God. And anytime you say, I'm doing something because I feel this is a divine instruction. I feel that there's some power above me and above you too, if you want to believe in Him, that says that we need to dress in this manner, live in this manner. That be, creates an allergic reaction. And they say, no, anything we'll accept, but we cannot accept that there is a God above us, that there is a God beyond us. We, get, we feel uh, you know, uh, attacked. We want to feel that we are completely in power. This is the mindset of the modern mind. And that modern mind, the, you know, unfortunately, is, has seeped into the Muslim community as well, where people say such type of comments. What will happen to the future of the ummah if we homeschool them, if we pull them out of public schools? It's, it, what's happening in France 
Wake up. Learn the lesson of what other communities are going through. If this happens overnight, what are you going to do? How, the sad reality is, if that law were to come here tomorrow, how, ask yourself, what would you and your spouse be doing with your kids? Right? What would you, what would you tell your daughter tomorrow? Betty, you're going to go to school, but just remove your scarf and hijab and jilbab because you have to become successful? Or would you say, no, the, the, you know, there, I, I, I care about material success, but there's a limit to how much I'm willing to pay for it. And I'm not willing to pay for it by losing my deen. This is the question you and I should ask our spouses and ourselves. Because unfortunately, yani, things don't seem to be getting any better. And that's the sunnah of Allah. As we get closer to the day of judgment, every single day is going to be worse than the previous one. And you ask any alim, talk about what's happening. You say, Hazrat, this happened, this happened, that happened. What's the one answer? Right? This is the era of trials and tribulations. Every day is going to be worse than the previous one. That's what they'll tell you. They're like, okay, Ani, thank you, but like, this is it. Like, I mean, I'm not startled. I'm not shocked by what you're sharing with me because things are just going to go downhill. So my goal of it here is not to make you pessimistic. I'm just trying to say, roll up your sleeves and get ready. Get ready to hold on to, the, to, hold on to your faith, even though it may be like holding on to a burning piece of charcoal. That's what Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked us to do. So we have to be willing to hold on. So Allah subhanahu wa taala is telling His Nabi, you know what? If if I wanted, I could give you all of those material things. Khairan, better than all that they know. Not, they're asking for jan, They're asking for a garden. They're asking for an angel. They're asking for you know palace. I give you a lot more. Insha'Allah, khairan min dalik. Allah subhanahu wa taala says, gardens, jannat, tajrimin tahtil anhar, beneath which rivers flow. Moreover, He would make for you grand palaces wherein you could live in. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that do not, it's, I, the fact that my Prophet does not have these material things does not mean that I'm not capable of giving it to him. I have willingly chosen to keep him away from that. There's one hadith that mentions that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, uh, He um, he showers his love to his beloved by protecting him from the dunya the way you protect your sick person from cold water. The way you protect your cold, a sick person from cold water, that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects his beloved ones from the dunya. Because what happens, you, uh, when you're with dunya, then naturally, the, it's like radioactive material you're dealing with. Over time, you're going to get affected by it. Over time, you're going to get affected by it. it, does, it the mahabba and the love, automatically, it seeps into the heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps His beloved people far away from that. And that's what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith about where he would say, he said, That indeed, the one who accepts Islam, and then he's been given rizq that is just sufficient, and then Allah makes him content with what He gave him. He's successful. Three things. He accepts Islam. Number two, he is given just sufficient sustenance. And number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes him content with what He gives him. Indeed, he is successful. Another hadith the Prophet would say, Allahum ahyini miskina, wa amitni miskina. Allah, allow me to live a life of a miskin. And give me death as a miskin, as a, as, as a person who is with little means or humble means. And raise me on the day of judgment in the jama'ah, in the group of masakin. That's where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wanted to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him Do not stretch out your eyes and look with the eyes of envy to the people of the dunya who we have given them this dunya. Because this is such an important lesson for myself to hear and for all of us to hear and our children to hear. That it's, it's, it's so natural for us to be enamored by what the people of dunya have. Cars, homes, balances, bank balances, jets, yachts, all that stuff. It's so, it's so attractive. Allah is telling His Nabi, don't look at that. What we have given them. And then Allah says, well, what's the purpose I gave them? He's clearly saying it. So that I could put them into fitna through that. Fitna, yani test. The purpose of all of it is the test. How many people survive that type of test? How many people survive? Very few survive that. Sulaiman we talk about Sulaiman's wealth, we talk about Uthman's wealth, people like to quote Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Uthman. Brother, please, before you take these names, let's look at who they were. 
It's so easy. It's so. It's called cherry picking. That if you you don't you don't look at the taqwa, you don't look at the tawakkul, you don't look at the qana'a, you don't look at the the jazba and the desire for sacrifice that they have. You don't look at the ability, the desire, and the fulfillment of the dream of following every sunnah of the Prophet All you look at is wealth. What did they do? Their wealth. Their wealth never owned them. Their wealth never came between them and akhirah. It was like toilet paper. Use and throw. Use and throw. How about we start off with the $100 that you and I have in our pocket? How about that? How about we start treating that $100 the way the Sahaba treated it? Before you start wanting to make your million to do what the Sahaba did, let's use the 100 that we have in our pocket. Use that the way the Sahaba did. Right? Have no love for it. Then we can, once we got that down, then we can go to the next step. 500 a thousand. Usually what the young youth say, brother, I want, to, I want to earn. How many youth will say, I want to leave the madrasa quickly and so I can go become a millionaire and go build a madrasa in a masjid like this. This is what we call, yani, this is, someone said like, you know, nurani waswasa. This is a waswasa in the form of nur. Nur meaning it sounds good, but it's all from shaitan. You don't need to go earn money to go build anything. The people, there's millions of people who have millions of dollars. They should spend that to build what they need to. No one tell you to leave your madrasa, leave your studies to go earn money with the intention of building something. Those who have money, let them do that. You are here studying, you should focus on what you have to do. Don't sit there and think, you know, I want to go out there and, and earn money and build. No, no one asked you to do that. The, the deen never asked you to do that. You're here gaining the most important thing, which is ilm. That's what people need. The people of wealth, they don't know how to spend their wealth until you go explain to them what is zakat, what is sadaqah, what is khairat, what is riba, what's halal, what's haram. Who's going to give the teachings to the people of wealth? You are a students of knowledge. If you leave this position and you say, no, I need to go jump on the other side of the fence to go earn money as well, to go build a madrasa, then who is going to ever teach the people? Anything. So this is what we call waswasa of nur. Right? It's, 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 it's not real. It sounds like good. It sounds like very uh, you know, ambitious and khidmah for the deen. But you, what you're doing as a student of knowledge, this is the most important thing. Right? Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions to, to the kuffar and to everyone else that don't think my Nabi could not, could, uh, yani, didn't have things. He, I intentionally kept him away from it and He intentionally asked Allah not to be given. Right? Not to be given. We, we hear the, um, the story that comes in where Rasulullah was, was approached by Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, right? It comes in the hadith, the sabab al-nuzul or the reason this uh, ayah was revealed in the first place is that the mushrikun, they began to make fun of Rasulullah poverty. And they said, what's wrong? This Nabi, he doesn't have much and he, has to, he doesn't have money, etc. The Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, he became saddened by their reproach and by their statements. Jibreel he, uh, he descended from Allah Azza wa Jal to, condole, to share condolences with Rasulullah or to uh, you know, share with him, uh, this, uh, you know, to, to, to be with him in this time of difficulty. So he said, Assalamu alaikum ya Rasulullah. Rabbul Izzati yuqri'uka salam. Assalamu alaikum ya Rasulullah. May peace be upon you, O Rasulullah. The, the Lord of all honor, He is giving His salam to you. And Allah is telling you, Which is ayah number 20, which is coming. We haven't sent any prophet prior to you, except that they all would eat and food. They needed to eat food. They were not angels. And they needed to go into the marketplace to earn money or to get livelihood. So Jibreel said, Abshari ya Muhammad. Oh Muhammad sallallahu take you know share, I would like to share with you a, 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 a um, good tiding. Ridwan This is Ridwan, the angel who is in charge of Jannah. He has come to you with the gift of pleasure from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ridwan, the angel Ridwan came. Until he said salam. ثم قال يا محمد رب العزة يقرئك السلام ومعه صفة من نور يتلألأ ويقول لك ربك هذه مفاتيح خزائن الدنيا مع ما لا ينتقص لك مما عنده في الآخرة مثل جناح بعوضة. He says, Oh, Ridwan says to Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, my Lord, the, Rabb, the Lord of all honor gives you salam, and I have. All this, this something with him that was filled with nur, that was shining with nur, and he says, "This in my hand is the keys to the treasures of the dunya that I am here to offer you, along with everything that will still remain the same for you in the akhirah, and your reward in the akhirah will not be decreased by a wing of a mosquito if you choose to accept these keys, keys of the treasures of the dunya." فَقَالَ يَا رِضْوَانَ The Prophet ﷺ responded, "O Ridwan." 
I have no need for this. Al-faqru ahabbu ilayya. Poverty is more beloved to me. Shakura, And I would rather be a servant of Allah who is patient and who is grateful than having all of this. So even Sulaiman when he asked Allah Azza wa Jal that give me such wealth and such a kingdom that it is not it's not befitting for anyone else after me. Sahih? What was that for? What was that for? That was only and solely for the khidmah of deen. That's all it was. That's why when Bilqis, we, we did in detail, Alhamdulillah, Surah Al-Namal, when Bilqis and the whole conversation happened between him and her, um, uh, he, you know, she said, I'll give you some gifts, etc. Please don't attack, etc. And he's like, no, I don't need. Uh, Come quickly, submitting yourself to Allah Azza wa Jal. And, what Allah has given me is far better than what you have. Don't try to bribe me through your gifts. His wealth that Allah had given him in power was solely for the khidmat of deen. And it comes in a hadith that even he would be eating very coarse, unrefined bread. Meaning, as a Nabi, he was not sitting there eating luxurious, uh, you know, high-class food. He, although the wealth he had was under his feet. He owned that wealth and the wealth did not own him. If you think about it, when a person leads a life of luxury, he actually becomes a slave to that. What happens is that now, he is not able to live without that. If you were to be taken and snatched away from him, he would now be able to handle it. That's why when I was studying overseas, some of our asatidah, even now also some of my teachers would say, that in the summer, say don't always have this fan on. Don't have the AC on. Learn how to sweat. Just make your body habitual of a little difficulty. Sacrifice. Because why? What's going to happen? Over there, overseas, is normal for the lights to go out. Electricity runs, you know. If you make yourself habitual of the AC the entire time, when it's 12 hours, you don't have AC, what's going to happen? You're going to lose your mind, right? If you can always be accustomed to it, I'm not saying I've done that. I tried, but I'm not very good at it. May Allah make it easy for me. But one of the, one of the, one of the blessings is mentioned in hadith as well, that one of the ni'am and blessing upon a human being is that Allah gives them a strong body to be able to handle difficulty in the path of Allah. This is a blessing. To have a body to be able to handle difficulty while worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you see people who are, you know, 90 years old, performing salah while standing, a ruku, sajda, every single thing. Hazrat Mawlana Arshad Madani Sahib, when he came here three, four weeks ago, you saw how he was limping, how he was walking. But sure enough, he came here for dhuhr salah, he led dhuhr, he prayed dhuhr. I thought for sure, we are going to go grab a chair. No, subhanAllah, absolutely not. Stood up and prayed his salah. We, on the other hand, people who are 40 years younger than him, for the much smaller reasons, are not able to handle you have to have a grab a chair. What happens when the, when it comes to when it comes to ibadah? These oh, these people, Allah has strengthened them, right? They've given them the body that can handle this type of difficulty. So, meaning that Sulaiman salam's wealth, we should not imagine that, that that's the same wealth you and I have. Yeah, let's start off with smaller means. Whatever means you have, make this waqf to Allah. Ya Allah, this wealth is only going to be spent the way you want it to be. Then inshallah, you can ask Allah for more. We have a habit of cherry-picking, like I said, from Sulaiman Islam's story, from Abu Ghraib's story, from Uthman Islam's story, and say, no, this is what my cha- I want my son or daughter to become. Yani only the aspect of wealth. Allah says, Bal Rather, they who have disbelieved have denied the coming of the hour of doom. Thus we have prepared for anyone who denies the hour a flaming fire in hell. Alright? So, a'tadna means to prepare. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that uh, these people, they belied the day of judgment. Is it, did they belied just the day of judgment? No. When you belied the day of judgment, it means your whole life will become upside down, inside out. What you're seeing in France, for example, what you see in India, what you see elsewhere. What is it? It's simply people belying the day of judgment, belying the day they're going to stand in front of Allah. That's the only reason you do stuff like this. The dhulm that's been doing, whether it's so-called Muslims or secularists or any other group of people that oppresses anyone, who does, what does that happen? That happens with the one who, who is believed in the akhirah is not there. When you see the blotter and the crime that happens, what is that? People who don't, what, what a sad situation, subhanAllah, in our city. I just read an, uh, an article just right now of, of a news crew that was reporting on the string of, of robberies in our city. May Allah improve the condition of our city. There's, they're, they're reporting, and in the midst of the report, a robbery happened. They came, three guys came and stole the camera, stole the video, stole the thing, and robbed them and, and of all their personal things and left. This happened yesterday. 
does stuff like that, right? What is happening? Subhanallah. You disbelieve in the akhirah. When, akhirah. when the fear of akhirah is not there, then fasad. What happens? Chaos. Chaos comes about. Every single thing falls apart. So it was not just sa'ah that they belied in, that they belied in the day of judgment. Instead, every single thing um, that they belied, belied in, so whoever belies the akhirah, meaning his life is all over the place and he follows the nafs, we have prepared from sa'ir, right? What is sa'ir? Sa'ir is, uh, is that fire that pretty much eats up everything that's in front of it, like a kalbun mas'ur, a dog that's been riled up, right? That's just, just ready to attack everything that's in front of it. Similarly, sa'ir is that fire that has been ignited and that has been kindled to a degree that whatever's in front of it, it eats it up. That fire is waiting for the people who, who have belied it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when first it beholds them. This is pretty very scary ayat. When the fire, ra'atum, ra'at, what is the fire of ra'at? Fire, right? Jahannam. The sa'ir. When the fire beholds them from a far off distance. The fire has got eyes. Because look at the nisbah, ru'ya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying the fire is looking at them. Allah azza wa ta'ala is personifying the fire. When the fire looks at them right from far away, then what will happen? It will be ready to jump on them before they even arrive at its doors. Like a hungry lion waiting to jump over lunch and dinner that the zookeeper is going to give. And you're still, the zookeeper is bringing it, it's a hundred yards away, but he can smell it, smell the fresh blood from the carcass, can see it, and he's about to, if possible, rip down the cage and go after it. You can see that, the teeth, you can see the, the roar of the lion, subhanAllah. It's something to see, something to see, right? Of course, behind a cage, that is, but it, the powerful... Uh, the power of this, this one small makhluk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Six foot. What, but what ajeeb power Allah azza wa has given to this, this lion. Imagine this is Jahannam now. Just understand that. Allah is personifying. Allah is painting this powerful picture. That the human flesh is like the carcass that the lion is waiting for. And this is mentioned in the Quran. Allah azza wa says, قُوْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَهْلِيكُمْ نَارًا Protect yourself and your family from that Jahannam. The fuel upon which this fire burns is human flesh. Waqood is fuel. That the fire is not, you don't throw firewood at it. No, no, no. You got to throw human bodies at it. Huge human bodies. Massive ones like the Mount Uhud. All right? Massive. Just why is the, the, the description of Jahannam in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, in, in a hadith is so lengthy and Jannah as well, of course. Uh, you know, any subhanallah is another topic for you know. But the fact that we don't ha- we don't hear enough about Jahannam, and if we do, immediately people they say, but we can't handle this. But if you think, are you telling me Allah subhanahu wa taala put in the Quran stuff you can't handle? Are you telling me the Prophet sallallahu said in hadith things you cannot handle? This is the problem. We do, this, why are we in such a pitiful state? Because we don't speak about and think about Jahannam. We don't speak about death, and anyone who speaks about it, they say, brother, you're scaring us. This is too much. You haven't get a proper tea today? Why are you angry at us? But it's not a joke. Read about it. You say, I'm getting scared. Exactly. I am supposed to get scared. You are supposed to get scared. I don't know if, if you know, I haven't seen many things of this world. I believe people say it exists. But one thing you and I must believe is Jannah and Jahannam exist. We have to have this conviction. But the discussion of Jannah and Jahannam is out. Discussion of Jannah is also out. Jahannam is also out. Quran everywhere brings both of these things. So may Allah give us tawfiq to speak about Jannah and Jahannam, to listen about Jannah and Jahannam, to read about Jahannah and Jahannam. When you read it in the Quran, reflect, open up the translation, look up the tafsir, listen to talks that are available readily online, describing the hellfire and describing Jannah. Allah Azza wa is saying that when this uh, protect yourself from the fire whose fuel is human flesh and stones boulders not firewood not wood boulders another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, talks about where the Jahannam speaks 
Uh, and, and, and then Allah SWT speaks about the anger. What happens when you are, when, you are fill, when something is filled up with air, and then what happens? It bursts open, right? It can't handle it. It bursts from its seams. Allah Azza speaks about that Jahannam is bursting <coughs> with intensity of heat. It comes in narrations that there are places in Jahannam that Jahannam itself seeks refuge in Allah from it. Because the heat is so much, other parts of Jahannam say, Ya Allah, protect me from ever having to mingle or come across that other part of Jahannam. I won't be able to take it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What an ayah! The fire is about to split. The fire is about to burst open out of anger. Jahannam is angry. Every single time an entire army of humans are thrown into it, not only is it, is it chopping it up and, and destroying it and burning it again and again and again, but it's also speaking. You know when a father gets upset or a mother gets upset and they spank a child like they used to a hundred years ago, right? They, they, they would say, you know, they, they'd spank at them and also get mad at them at the same time, right? Subhanallah. Now, yani Allahu Akbar, what an era we live in. But nonetheless, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the fact that Jahannam will be destroying them and then will be saying, Alam ya'tikum nadhir. Did any warner not come to you? Why did you not change? What's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? Why did you? You knew I existed. The Quran already told you exactly of what I'm going to do, what I'm capable of, what Allah made me capable of. Why would you belie the warners and then make yourself worthy of me? They will respond as, as much as they can. Nay, you're right. Warners did come to us. But we belied them. And we said, Allah hasn't revealed anything. This is all fake. Indeed, all of you who are claiming things about Islam and prophets, you are all utterly lost. And now the people of Jahannam will say in Surah Al-Mulk, Ya Allah, O Jahannam, if only we listened and heard what they warned us about, and if we only pondered and thought about what we were being warned about, we would not be sitting in here. Ashab comes from Suhbah, meaning we would not be Jahannami, we would not be the people of Jahannam who have to be here forever. May Allah protect us all. So the Quran speaks about Jahannam being angry. Why Jahannam being angry? Because Jahannam is a makhluk of Allah. It worships Allah. It makes sajda to Allah. It can't make a move without the permission of Allah. And that Jahannam says, you, how dare you disrespect my Lord? How dare you disobey my Allah? How dare you disobey my Creator? You are so insignificant. What are we as five foot ten human beings in front of this massive, massive Jahannam? Really, what are we? Not even a speck. His eye as his massive creator, creation, never once thought of turning myself against, turning my back towards my creator, turning against and becoming rebellious against my creator. How dare you thought you could do that and get away with it? So this is the anger that hellfire will have on behalf of Allah. Like an older, older son who sees the younger sibling disrespecting his parents. And he says, who do you think you are? How angry an older son would become or an older daughter when he sees a younger one disrespecting the parent. That I have everything. I'm a successful businessman. I've got all of this. Look at how I sit in front of my parents. And who do you think you are to sit and speak to my dad and mom like that? That anger that comes in. This is Jahannam. Jahannam is saying, how dare can you speak to my... How dare you, you chose to lead a life of, 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 of kufr? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in another place you've heard it from me in Surah Maryam you've read it you read it many times I told you it's one of my favorite pages of the Quran as well uh, the last ayah last surah last page of Surah Maryam what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say there? He says right? that the heavens and the earth are about to split open out of anger not just Jahannam and the day of judgment right now right now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the heavens are about to split right? the earth is about to split open and the mountains are about to fall down why? because of the fact that the human being had the guts had the audacity to claim that Allah has a son 
This shirk is something so unacceptable to the creation of Allah. The creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Allah, please, please, let me just destroy this. What you see, what you see around the world, what you see happening in this very country, floods in the desert. Who heard Nevada having a flood problem? Who heard inner, you know, central parts of California <clears throat> towards the, east, the eastern part of it? Desert, 120 degree temperature, having floods. Who, who you see pictures coming out of Vermont. You see uh, flooding in, in, you know, you see hurricanes coming to places where they never came from. Uh, who heard of a, uh, you know, hurricane-like conditions in, in Southern California? What's going on? It's basically the makhluk of Allah saying, enough is enough, ya Allah, we're done. We can't handle this scum of the earth. In reality, that's what we are. We've become the scum of the earth. We have become a liability for Allah's creation. That Allah's creation is sick and tired of the, uh, the nonsense that the human beings are, are, putting, are, are presenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then why don't they just wipe us all out? It literally just takes you know, what, less than a second. If Allah Azza wa to simultaneously have earthquakes and mudslides and avalanches and uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and lightning storms. So did you see the pictures from Mecca last week? Did you all see those? With the lightning hit the clock tower? Did you see that? Did you see people flying? You see the videos of that? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Garbage cans flying 15, 20 feet high. The big ones, just flying, it's flying. People, people are being held down, grabbed down by police and others, by the shorti, because they were just being literally, just being flown out. Like this is real stuff. That's happened just, just last week. Massive hailstones, ajeeb things all around this facade, facade, facade. Every single day in multiple places of the country and multiple places of the world simultaneously happening. Allah Azza wa is still being patient. Allah is being forbearing. As it comes in one narration, every single day the heavens and the earth beg Allah, Ya Allah, please give us permission. The sky asks Allah, Oh Allah, allow me to break down on this, on this human being of yours. The oceans say, Ya Allah, allow me to send out a wave that will swallow them all in one gulp. The earth says, Ya Allah, please give me permission. I cannot handle this anymore. It's on me. They're doing it on me, on my back. I can't take this. Let me split open and take them in. And the beautiful, loving, caring, benevolent Lord Almighty Allah says, that oh my creation, if oh, oh sky, oh heavens, oh earth, oh angels, oh, uh, oh, oh, oh ocean, if this human being is your creation, then go ahead and do as you wish. But if they are my creation, then do, do not come between me and my human beings. I'm waiting for the day that they choose to repent after have sinning, or sinned all night. I'm waiting for the night that they choose to repent after have sinned all day. This is the gist of the hadith, right? The, I'm paraphrasing it. Subhanallah. That Lord Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal, the only reason the world hasn't come to an end yet, because why? Because Allah decreed it for not to come to an end yet. Otherwise, we are deserving for an ending right now. That's what it is. So this, you see this same anger in the Jahannam. Okay, we know, one is you come face to face with, uh, with, the, uh, with, uh, with the punisher, with the executioner, or whatever you want to call that, Jalad. But one is, before you come there, you hear the huff and the puff of the animal, of the, of the ferocious lion, before you come face to face, and before the human body is thrown, the prisoner is thrown to, at the mercy of the lion, will you shred it into pieces in seconds, yeah? But imagine before that, hearing the roar of the lion, hearing the panting of the lion, hear, it's feeling the breath of the lion before the prisoner is thrown, as they used to in the past, in the lion's den. That's what's happening here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, the Jahannami before he's thrown in, before he even has a conversation with Jahannam, they will be able to hear its terrible furry and its raging sigh. Ulama have explained that Tagayud and Zafira, Tagayud comes from the word Ghayud. Ghayud means anger, terrible furry. Zafir is the sigh sound. So Tagayud means when you Tagayyud and Zafir basically means inhaling and exhaling. They're going to hear the inhaling and exhaling of Jahannam. That's one explanation. Another explanation the ulama have given is uh, The sound of braying or of, of a donkey is regarded as the, the worst sound out there. By who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sound of the, the, the donkey makes Allah so Taghayyud, your scholars of Tafsir say, is the beginning portion of that sound, and Zafira is the last portion of that sound. 
when it's stuck in his throat. You know, the final, the final second of it. So imagine just listening to a donkey's sound is so, uh, you know, unsettling. And then imagine on top of that, this is now Jahannam making a sound like that. May Allah protect us from it. it the purpose of this is to show that it's going to be all sensations. Attack on all, through all sensations. Through all sensory organs. And the sensory organs are going to be, and the sense, senses are going to be multiplied in intensity many more. The, the sensors, the receptors. How so? It comes that the distance between one shoulder to, to the other shoulder will be massive. You know, I don't remember the exact narration, but yani, we're talking about uh, meters and meters, meters and meters. The body itself being extremely tall and wide, every aspect of it, so that you have more surface area for the punishment to be on. And then Allah Azza says, When a person burns in a fire, what happens after the pain receptors and the sensory, the, 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 where the pain receptors are in the top part, when they're all gone, Right, so that part is gone now. You'll have pain somewhere, but that, that, the top part, you're not going to feel the pain you're feeling initially on those parts of the skin. Allah now has got a fix for that in the akhirah. Every single time, their skins will be cooked. And he burnt. We will replace them with a fresh skin. And clearly, what's the purpose of the skin? So that they may taste, meaning sense. Look at the Quran, how beautiful it is. How it's connected to our understanding of the human body. That, that, that as long as the skin is not there, you're not going to have that full taste. So, yani, full pain. The skin will be replaced with a fresh skin in order to intensify the pain that the body will go through. So this is just the initial parts. Hearing the, the terrible furry and the raging sigh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about. وَإِذَا أُلْقُوا مِنْهَا مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا Eventually, when they are cast, ulku, when they are thrown minha into the hellfire, مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا into a crushingly tight place. Crushingly tight, this is basically synonymous with punishment. Si'ah and vastness and, and, uh, is synonymous with na'im and comfort of Jannah. That's why when a person, a disbeliever or sinful person is put into the grave, it comes in hadith that the sides of the grave will, will crush upon the, uh, the, 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 the body of the disbeliever or sinful person to a, such an extent that they will compact upon, a compact upon him that one side, ribs from one side will crush into the ribs of the other side. This is repeatedly mentioned that the qabr will become really constricted upon him. This is the sign of adab of Allah. On the flip side of it, when a believer is placed in the qabr, then Allah will make the qabr expand. And it will expand to such a degree, madd al-basr, till the eye can see. And Allah will open up a window from, from paradise, from which the breeze of paradise will enter that grave. So here, Jahannam is vast, super vast, super vast. How vast? How vast? Surah Qaf. Surah Qaf mentions that. One verse tells it all. The day we will speak to Jahannam. Allah says we will speak to Jahannam. The conversation. I'm telling you, Allah is personifying Jahannam fully. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? And the answer is not yes, no, almost, no. What an answer. Halmim. Mazid, is there more? Is there more? It is like Jahannam is un, unsatiable. As many billions and billions of Ya'juj, Ma'juj, and humans, and jinn, and shayateen, billions and trillions will be placed in it. Trillions. But it's such a massive creation. The answer will simply be where's more? I want more. Not even I'm half full, I'm almost there. Nope, I want more. This is what Allah is describing in Surah Qaf Jahannam's expansiveness. It comes in hadith, Jahannam will keep on being filled up like you're feeding a hungry animal. Keep on giving, keep on giving and he wants more and more. And he's growling. Jahannam will be growling and wanting more. Eventually, when Allah said enough is enough, but he won't stop, then he comes in hadith that Allah will put his rijil mubarak, right? I think that's a hadith, I think that's a word, rijil. Allah will put his qadam maybe, I think maybe the word was qadam, Allah, which would literally translate as foot. But obviously we're not going to take it in that meaning. Metaphorically, you could say Allah will place a certain, certain tajalli on the Jahannam that the, the, the intensity of that tajalli, the power and the weight of that tajalli will, will make Jahannam say, قَتْ 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 Meaning enough, enough, enough. I can't take it anymore. So Allah will have to basically himself 
do something to Jahannam, put pressure on it, where it will say that I can't take anymore, I'm filled. But when it comes to pure, raw human flesh, and, and jinn, and ya'juj ma'juj, Jahannam will never have enough. That's how big of a place it is. So now, imagine when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when they will be placed in it into a crushingly tight place. What does that mean? That means that, that crushingly tight place, there's, there's enough space in there for everyone. But this is part of the punishment, to put it into a very tight, tight spot. Muqarranin. It's enough to be in that hellfire. But no, they're going to be bound together. They're going to be in shackles. Right? All together in chains. How so? They're going to be chained with their group of friends. Allah Azza wa says, when the souls, similar type of souls will be paired together. So if you, if you, if you have a friend or so-called, uh, you know, if you have, a, if you have a, soap, a person you like to hang out with for coffee and tea and, and Saturday nights you like to chill with them and you like to go for long drives with them and etc. Et ask yourself, would you want to be with this person in the grave? If the answer is yes, would you like to be with this person on the day of judgment? Then that's good. But if you say, no, 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 no way would I want to be near this person inside the grave. I would never want to be in the same janazah. I would never want to be with him in the, in the plains of Hashar because he's going somewhere else. Then why are we befriending them? Right? Why do we spend so much time? Because when you spend time with people, their qualities rub off upon us. Spend time with people who you would be excited to be in their company on the day of judgment. Right? That you would, you would, you would be, it would be an honor for you to be with them. The people who we hang out with, my dear friends, are the people who are going to show up for our janazah. Think about that. The people who are going to show up for our janazah. Many, if, if, you want, if, you, if, if, if you hang out with people without iman, 99% of your time, who's going to show up to your, who's going to show up to your graveyard, to the grave? Who's going to show up? And really, you want a bunch of non-Muslims who have no iman in their heart, surround your grave and make dua for you? Like, really? Is that what you want your last moments in this world with? Or do you want to have people of deen, students of knowledge, people of taqwa, people of tahara, people of ilm, praying for you? You know, mashallah, when ulama pass away, you don't realize what type of blessing they have. When, when some of our colleagues over here, when they lost their parents, subhanAllah, their body had not even been picked up from the house. The body had not even been picked up from the hospital. Already multiple khatmal Qur'ans were done. By the time the janazah actually took place, already 10, 15 khatmal Qur'ans were done. Wells were already dug up in different parts of the world. Right? Money was already given for orphans. That's what you call the benefits of ilm. That when you are a student of knowledge, or you love the people of knowledge, you, this is part of the perks. This is a part of the perks that before you even leave this world, you see what type of preparation is happening. Dr. Amjad rahmatullahi alayhi passed away two days ago, who was the son of the, the previous prime minister, one of the earlier prime ministers of Pakistan. He was a very well-known doctor in, in Karachi. But along with that, of course, he established many madrasas, including Madrasa Ibn Abbas and Madrasa Aisha, who has got thousands and thousands of male and female students across the globe. And he also established Maktabat al-Bushra, the very famous printing press that students of knowledge and madrasas across the entire globe use all the books from first year to tenth year all the books you know are published by that printing house very nice typesetting very nice commentary he did it was a monumental amazing work that wasn't done by any publisher prior to to, to this publishing house uh, you know and this was led under the auspices of Dr. Amjad uh, who's come to Chicago and come to America and come to Darussalam many many times in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal a man if you would look at him and those of you who are sitting here some of you definitely did see him you can't forget him he had such a, a figure besides being 6'2 and wearing a beautiful turban all the time and a beautiful long white beard and a beautiful long uh, long kurta but subhanAllah he had this awe and ru'ab and, and nur on his face that is unforgettable Right now, subhanAllah, he's gone. He's not just, he was a doctor practicing, yes. But he was not just a doctor. He was a person who was a man of ilm. He was an alim himself. He was an alim himself. And he was a founder of madrasas. Can you imagine how many thousands and thousands of khatmal Qur'ans already have happened in the past two days? Because his students are everywhere. His students, students are everywhere. His grandstudents are everywhere. And all their students, and their students are what? They're doing khatmal Qur'an for their grand teacher and great grand teacher. How many of them are digging up wells? How many of them are sponsoring orphans? Before the janazah already, you could say, so much khayr has been done. That's what is worthy, that's a worthy death. That is a, that's the type of like, professional you want to be. That subhanAllah, yes, you want to be a professional and successful wealthy person, be a son of the prime minister. Okay, fine. But his siblings, who remembers them? His father, who remembers him? Right? Who, where is the khatmah Qur'an happening to people of just pure wealth and power? No one cares about them. 
right? Even if a million people show up, what type of million people show up? You tell me that. Because the people who show up to your janazah are who? They are people who are, interse- who are, inter- who are intercessors. When you have, you want to get intercession to get into a university, you, want, you don't want to drop out who's on the street trying to sell some, some stuff, who's a street hawker. You don't want him to write a recommendation letter for you. Yeah, go present it to Harvard. Here, this, is, this guy's great. How does that work? You want someone who's elite, who's graduated from that place, who's got, who's got everything, yani subhanAllah, lined up, and people say, oh, you're a very successful person, and now you're giving a letter of recommendation for this person. Okay, this is worthy. There you go. Who do you want to be at present at your janazah who will be giving the letter of recommendation on your behalf? People of taqwa and tahara. People of ilm. People of righteousness. My beloved brothers and my dearest listeners, my sisters and listeners, if we don't hang around with such people, if we don't love such people, if we don't be around such people, why will they show up? They won't even know we died. Frankly speaking, we won't even know we died. It'll just be, you know, that's what it is. It'll be, it'll be one, I mean, some of these janazas that happen don't even happen in the masjid. When, the, when they, they die and they get buried, no one even knows about it. Muslims are not even there. Yeah, you may have a thousand non-Muslims showing up, but are those the shufa'a that you want? The people who intercede on your behalf? So these are things to, to seriously think about. That this life is very, very short. And we really need to lead every day of ours as though it's last, preparing for the day so that we don't have to have this conversation with Jahannam. Allah Azza wa says, هُنَالِكَ ثَبُورًا uh, They're going to be bound with chains with each other. They're, this is where I went off on this aspect here. That the people who you hang out with are going to people you're going to be tied with. So if they're people of Jannah, you'll be with them. Allah forbid if there were people headed towards Jahannam, unfortunately we're going to be with them. Today every single person who's sitting here, I, said that, I say this so many times, the reason you're sitting here right now is because of your friendship with someone. And the reason people who want to be here are not here is again because of their friendship. You're pushed here by someone who cares about the deen, who knows the deen, who loves you, who loves the deen, that's why you're here. Maybe it didn't happen tonight, but they've been pushing you for many weeks or many months or many years, and that's why you're here. And that's why I'm here. And those who want to be here but can't be here, it's because they simply cannot give up on their friends that are toxic and that are no good influence on them. We cannot progress towards Allah if we are not able to give up those friendships that are against uh, our spiritual growth. When they arrive, they're in, they shall cry out from utter, for utter ruin. Thubur means death, halak. They will say, Ya Allah, please destroy us. Please kill us. That's why they say that what could be worse, what could be worse than death? Worse than death is that, that pain in which a person begs for death. Right? What's worse than death? Is that pain where a person uh, wishes for death. Right? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, he mentions they will, they will cry for utter ruin Look at the response from Allah What a response Sarcasm Because you know why This is called like psychological, psychological punishment Right Psychological punishment Not just physical Emotional punishment as well You know what Don't cry out for, for one damnation One ruining One death Go ahead Cry out for many, many, multiple damnations and ruinations. It's not going to come. Cry all you want. No one is going to kill you because death itself has been killed. Death itself has been destroyed. So death shall not cover, come to you no matter how much, how much a person cries out. What is the last thing? Oh Allah, we wish, this is like the last thing they could say. We wish we were just made into dust and soil. We wish we're not uh, we were not human beings that have to suffer this everlasting uh, 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 you know, d- difficulty that is there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then describes Jannah here. Qul khayrun. Say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa say to these kuffar, speak to them. Khayr. Do you like all of this, what you're hearing? Do you like all of this Jahannam discussion that's been happening? See, uh, wherever Allah speaks about Jahannam, He will, after a few ayats, will bring Jannah as well. Here you go, right here. Allah brings Jannah so that we don't give up, we don't lose hope. Right, so we don't walk away saying from this crowd to say, oh my God, that dars was too tough. To Allah Azza wa is bringing Jannah here. Am Jannatul Khuld. Is that better? Or the garden of eternity? That has been promised to the God-fearing. It is a blessed reward for them alone, not for the people of Jahannam. And a never-ending heaven as an ultimate destiny. Meaning Jannah will become a reward for them and a ultimate destiny for them. O people of Jahannam, do you like Jannah better? Or do you like this Jahannam that you have um, 
you know, made yourself deserving of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the people of Jahannam to reflect. This ayah is for the people now, yani during the time of the Prophet sallallahu and while we are alive here in this world, and also in Jahannam. That the people of Jahannam will be, will be made, will be reminded of what they could have, where they could have been if they were believers. That is why my beloved brothers and sisters, you know we all have to cross over Sirat. Everyone has to go over the bridge over Jahannam. And even the people who are going, There's none of you except that he is going to enter Jahannam via the bridge. All believers have to go to Jannah via hellfire. Yes, they, the people of Bedestin to Jannah will not be affected by it, but they will definitely still see the scenes of hellfire. Why so? Allah wants every person headed to Jannah to know that listen, not only should you enjoy Jannah, but you should remember that if Allah's grace was not with you, that's where you would have been. And so when a person sees what he was saved from, his enjoyment in paradise will only be much more enjoyable. Someone gives you a five-star meal and so you're enjoying it. But then you see vision, mission. I remember in Hajj, subhanAllah, we had always, alhamdulillah, may Allah take us all back for Hajj. And for those who haven't gone, may Allah take, you, take us for Hajj as well. But when you, you enjoy the meal, whatever is given in Mina, but you know, maybe one box, you know, not a buffet. But then you go see outside what people have. They have nothing. They're literally eating all out of the garbage. And that little box meal that maybe you didn't found it too spicy or too hot or too cold, all of a sudden tastes so much better. Because you see what others don't have. Right? So Jannah is just outstanding, amazing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still wants the people of Jannah to see what the people of Jahannam are going through. And that if, you, if Allah's grace was not with you, you would have gone there. So similarly, the people of Jahannam, in order for them to increase in their pain, Allah also wants them to remember that not only are you in pain here, but remember if you simply just have believed in Akhirah and led a life that was pleasing to Allah, you could have had all of these amazing things, but you chose otherwise. For them, for the people of Jannah, in Jannah is all that they could wish. right? They will stay within there forever. It is incumbent upon your Lord a promise ever to be asked for. Ever to be asked for. What does this mean here? The people of Jannah will be in Jannah forever. We got that? Okay, the previous ayah said Jannatul Khuld. And here it says Khalidin. What's the difference? Over there it was about Jannah being eternal. And here it's about the Jannati staying in Jannah eternally. Two different things. One is Jannah will always be there. But what about if we don't get to stay there forever? That's not so nice. So paradise will always be there. And the people of paradise will be in paradise forever. Two things. And number two, they will get whatever they want. Now today's human being asks, all sorts of questions. Q&A session, instead of worrying about how, what sin should I stop in order to get to Jannah, why can't women have more than one husband in Jannah? Uh, can a man marry a man in Jannah? This type of bakwas comes. All this type of nonsense comes because people's minds are dirty, filthy. Right? SubhanAllah. Remember, when you go to Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cleanse your hearts and your minds. So at that time in Jannah, a person cannot ask for filthy things. Will not ask for it. It's your desire won't be there. Simply won't be there. That's it. So a person will not have a desire for the same gender. A person will not have a desire for something which Allah Azza wa does not want. Just remember that. Right? So when people ask all these foolish questions, the answer is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will, will make it such that automatically a person will only desire tayyib things, good things. A person will not desire things that are not befitting in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kana ala rabbik. Allah says, I'm taking it upon myself. I'm making this incumbent upon myself. Wa'dan, it's a promise. Mas'ula, you can ask me about it. Wow. Allah is saying, you can ask me. Like you would say, you can hold me accountable for it. This is how out, uh, amazing our Lord is. He says, you just do the work. I promise you, I'll give you Jannah. And you can, you can ask me about that. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to wake up. Wake up and lead a life in which we will become worthy of this paradise. And may He wake us up to, and le- allow us to lead, uh, leave a life of ghafla and heedlessness uh, from, uh, that would make us worthy of Jahannam. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We won't take any um, uh, questions uh, um, you know, uh, today, but because there's a few minutes we have, mm-hmm. just want to announce these couple programs. Sunday school is starting September 10th, inshallah, ages 6 to 16. And that's on-site for boys and girls. 
And the Tafim program, weekend program, mashallah, has begun. You can please take a look at the courses if you have not, if you're here looking at it first time. Fiqh of Salah, Surahs of Salah, meaning the tafsir of the Surahs of Salah, and the purification of the heart means the disease of the heart, and the purification from the book of Imam Ghazali, Al Arba'in, Fi Usul al Deen, taught by Mufti Nu'man Khan. And Sunday, History and the Development of Fiqh, Introduction to Hadith, Science, and Aqeedah, means belief, creed, part one, will be taught, uh, is being taught by Mullah Farhan Sharif. These classes are all. Um, available online and on site both for men and women and recordings are available I highly encourage the men and women of our community to please enroll their sons and daughters high school students college students and um, and enroll yourself mashallah many people have shared with me the amazing uh, uh, experience they're having in these classes beyond learning they love the fact that they can connect with scholarship they can connect with practicing similar minded brothers and sisters alhamdulillah who are attending the class so if you haven't done so please consider coming this Saturday or Sunday additionally if you're new here today and you did not receive a text message a reminder for the tafsir please take a quick scan of the QR code that is posted whether you're listening online or listening here please take a scan inshallah and thereby you can get a uh, a, a quick reminder, inshallah, uh, on Tuesdays, right before the tafsir begins. Let's try our best to have steadfastness in our attendance of the tafsir. Let's try our best, inshallah, to invite others as well. Uh, and let's try our best to come with consistency as much as possible, inshallah. Subhanallah, bihamdihi, subhanakallah, bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.